And welcome back to the Elise Yeezy Show. I'm your host, Elise Yeezy. But today, it's just me. Because I've been thinking a lot recently, right? About content and what type of content I want to be putting out. And, you know, trying to re-inspire myself. Because I've just been having an ongoing moment, I suppose. And I figured... Sometimes I just want to talk and just talk and talk and talk. And I kind of feel like a YouTube video by itself, it's a bit... I don't really know the word for it, even though this is going to go up on YouTube as well for the video version. I feel like a podcast is more forgiving for that. Like the point of a podcast is just to talk and ramble on. And there's a lot of podcasts I listen to where people do it solo. So I listen to like Emma Chamberlain's podcast she always does it solo Andrew Huberman mostly does a solo unless he's interviewing some other scientist or doctor about neurosciencey or just sciencey stuff sometimes on call her daddy Alex Cooper which I don't listen to that much but once in a while I'll listen to sometimes she does it by herself so I figured why not supplement my own podcast by doing a solo one here and there. It's not gonna be the entire new format. I'm still gonna have the studio sessions with my co-host, KD. Well, with the studio versions with me and my co-host, I want to turn it into something a little bit different, a little bit more of an actual show. Here's an idea that I have for it. You know how some people have true crime podcasts and there's a certain way that they will present them and talk about the facts and what went down. What about a true conspiracy? show that happens on the podcast amongst the in-person interviews with different people or zoom interviews with different people a conspiracy you know like looking over the facts behind mk ultra and then some anecdotes and some evidence whatever you see what i mean i want to kind of experiment a little bit more because i've just been feeling so blur for the past well since December I've been feeling so blur and I think that's been reflected in my upload inconsistency I think it's been pretty obvious because sometimes I just get so in my own head about this type of thing about well for me there has to be a point what's the point of me doing this unfortunately for me I'm heavily nihilistic and I don't see the point in pretty much anything (laughs) Some people go for the cheerful... Catherine Ryan, she also does a solo podcast. Some people go for the cheerful nihilism route. Well, nothing really matters. You might as well enjoy yourself. Yeah, I don't buy or go for that. I think I'm just naturally a bit of a miserable, pessimistic person, to be honest. So I need there to be a point. But I get too in my own head about it. I get too like, well, this is rubbish and no one will enjoy it. When if you look on the internet, people enjoy anything anything i watch videos of people making mods out of abe's odyssey the ps1 game making their own homemade little mod and level versions i watch that because i find it relaxing for some reason you know there's content for everyone is my point so today i wanted to do a solo podcast and just talk about what's been going on with me recently so this this is very much the Elise easy show in an episode So what's been going on with me recently? I've been having a 
quite stressful few months. Things have just been blur. For example, the other month I decided that I was going to attempt the Couch to 5K NHS running program where you run three times a week and you start up really slowly. However, I wasn't at a couch level of fitness anyway because I don't go to the gym super regularly, not as much as I'd like to, but I do work out when I can be bothered. Sometimes it's a couple of times a week and sometimes it's not at all times a week, but I also do a lot of walking because I really like walking, right? So I decided to do that, but I did it wrong because I decided to, I, I, I kept skipping ahead a few weeks because I was like, this is too, it's too easy for me. I'm too good for this. And then I decided to repeat days and not do it three times a week, but do it more like five times a week. And then see, here's the thing. So I was doing that and I felt good about it. I felt fine. And then I didn't do anything for three days. And I mean, I think I had like some video deadline because I mean, I was on the couch for three days, just trying to get some video done. I don't know what it was. It must've been something to do with that. I must've been feeling the crunch. And then I noticed on like the third evening, I, I went to stand up and walk around. I noticed the left side of my knee hurt inside the knee more like a nerve pain than anything. I noticed that and I was like, hmm, that's peculiar. So I decided to rest it for a few days, but it was still hurting. It would get better and then get worse. And so after a few days of this, or let's be realistic, more like a week of this, after a week of this, I decided to finally ring the doctors because I'll put off anything doctor related for as long as possible which is not a good trait to have. That's a bad trait, so don't do that. Do as I say, not as I do. Here's the thing about the doctors. I tried to eat, I made an appointment with them via email before. So I tried to make an appointment with them about something entirely different by email. And they emailed me saying, can you please ring the surgery instead? Cause we don't make appointments this way. And I was like, well, that's a lie, but fine. So regarding my knee, I ring up the surgery to find out what's, what's up. And then they're like, can you uh, fill out an e-consult form instead? So, there, so it's like, okay, I can't email you. You tell me to ring you. I can't, I ring you and then it's, we can't do it this way, just do an e-consult form. I do the e-consult form. I get an email a few days later saying, you will have a telephone appointment in two weeks or 10 days, something like that. I thought this is actually such a waste of time. My leg will either have fallen off by then or be completely better. And by that point, it felt a lot better. And then I either missed the phone call or never received it anyway. I think I didn't receive, I think I didn't receive it. I never check my voicemail ever because I don't know why I just have like this weird thing about, I don't want to listen to, because I always, what do I think is going to happen? I think that like someone's going to leave me a voicemail threatening to kill me or something and just, I mean, if someone did do that, I'd probably just laugh, but I don't want to have to deal with that. I'd also made an e-consult appointment about trying to get anti-anxiety medication for a flight that I was going on, right? I had a voicemail because I listened to my voicemails yesterday. So a good solid three weeks after they were left. And I had one voicemail about, sorry, I've missed, I, I've tried to call you and I'll try to call you again. It's about the anti-anxiety medication. I did not get a call about my knee. I didn't get one. What was the... Useless. What if there was something seriously wrong with my knee? I still don't know what was up with it. And also when I went on holiday, it hurt again in a similar way in one day. But what what is the point of me ringing up the doctors? I'll get an appointment by next year. 
It's ridiculous. Sometimes they're really good about stuff, like getting your smear test done. My doctors were really good about that. They were straight on it. But in this, what, just because it's a bit of knee pain? No, I couldn't. I actually couldn't walk on it for a few days. And then I felt really gross. What I've been doing, what I've been doing, what I started doing today is I ordered some turmeric capsules that have 10% curcumin and 95% piperine, i.e. black pepper. Because curcumin is anti-inflammatory. But when mixed together with black pepper, it can increase the anti-inflammatory proponents by 2000, up to 2000%. I don't know how I know that stuff, but I'm gonna take this stuff now and hope that my knee doesn't hurt again. I don't know what happened to it. And then the anti-anxiety medication, right? Because I have this phobia. I don't think people know this. I have this insane phobia. Well, it's not that insane. I think it's very rational. Phobia of flying. And it came about in a very strange way because as a teenager, I flew several times, once by myself to and from Canada, and I was totally fine. I was only ever on the big industrial commercial flights, the big ones, right? And then for some reason, around the age of 19 or 20 or so, I, I think I watched a few too many episodes of this show called Air Crash Confidential. And <laughs> I started getting these horrific nightmares about being trapped in a plane as it crashes or explodes or whatever and I would usually survive because I'd just like fly away or whatever but what stuck with me were the screams of terror of everyone else as we were going down and you know I moved to London at the age of 21 and then I was broke for most of my 20s so there was never an opportunity to go on a plane anyway. So it just built up and built up and built up. And me and my partner, who is half French, decided that we would go to the south of France for a little holiday, because we needed it. Because I've not been on a holiday. I had a few staycations in Bath, but I've not been on a holiday since, I did like a holiday out of the, I've not been out of the country since I went to LA when I was 18. And that was quite, well, it was only two years ago, obviously. No, it was quite some time ago. So I decided that I would, I mean, I do therapy and my therapist did give me some breathing techniques. Breathing in through the nose and then out through the mouth, but out through the mouth two times as long as in through the nose. So say you do in through the nose for three seconds, out of the mouth for six seconds. She said that this will help. So yeah, I remembered that. But I rung up the doctor to try and get anti-anxiety medication. I did manage to speak to that doctor on the phone about it. And she said, okay, well, last time you were here, your blood pressure was a little bit too low, which is crazy to me because my blood pressure don't feel low. It feels like my heart is always hammering away. But apparently my blood pressure is good, but a little bit on the low side, whatever that means. So they weren't going to give me Valium, which is kind of what I was hoping for, you know, because I know how I am on Valium. I have massive health anxiety, massive hypochondriac. And sometimes I worry a little bit when I try, oh, that'll fit in to later on when I talk about my ADHD medication. I worry a bit when I try new things and my body will have like a bodily response to trying new pills, which is very strange considering like how I would just literally eat ecstasy pills. Like they were going out of fashion and not really care about the consequences. But Valium, I've had a few times. 
Valiums. <laughs> By that I mean probably just Street Valium. Uh, because it would help on coke come downs. But I wasn't allowed that because of my blood pressure or whatever. Uh, the computer was being too cautious, overly cautious. So she prescribed me something else and I was like, okay, whatever. Come pick it up at the pharmacy after hours. Okay, fine. I go to the pharmacy. No record of me getting the anti-anxiety medication existed. I wonder if it was a real doctor that rung me. It was probably just like some random person who wanted to chat to me for whatever reason. They say you can call 111, explain your situation about how you're flying out tomorrow. I leave everything to the last minute. I know I'm awful, it's really my fault. I couldn't be bothered for that. I, I wasn't gonna do that. So I was like, no, fine, screw it. I'm just gonna do this cold turkey. I'm gonna do this cold turkey. I'm gonna go on this bloody flight. So we go on this flight to France and it's a smaller plane. Bearing in mind, I've only ever been on the commercial ones. It's a smaller plane. It was fine. I say that. I felt fine in the lead up to doing it because I think I hadn't actually accepted that I was going to do this. I think my brain had just compartmentalized, like shoved it aside, repressed it almost. I think I thought that I wouldn't actually end up going to the airport and doing it. I'd seen my chemical romance for like the day before at a gig in Milton Keynes. They were incredible. That was the best. Part of me was like, well, if I do die tomorrow in a fiery plane crash, then what a way to go. I've seen my chemical romance. I'm a happy, I'm a happy emo kid. Met a viewer at MCR. Well, they say they're a reviewer, but they were also like, aren't you that girl from YouTube? <laughs> no, they were really nice. I hope you had a good time. Anne, see, I remember, I remember, I remember Anne. I hope you, if you watch this, maybe, then I hope you enjoyed the MCR gig. So I have about two hours sleep on the Sunday morning. We go to the airport. Before we get on the plane, I start feeling the dread and anxiety and I don't know about you guys, but when I feel uncomfortable or anxious about stuff or, or even sad, I prefer to just be angry instead because I think anger is my main emotion. It's my biggest personality trait. I say anger, more like ir irritation. No, no, this was anger. I was angry. I felt angry that I was being put on a plane <laughs> to my death in my eyes, I was literally sulking as soon as we got on the, the plane and I was treated to business class by my dearest partner. It was only London to France, so we're not talking, of course it wasn't thousands of pounds, but you know, it was still, it was a nice gesture because he wanted to make sure that I was comfortable. I was literally sulking. I was next to the window seat. I'd pulled down the window blind thing and I was just there sulking. I had my hat on. I wasn't looking or talking to anyone. I was just thinking, oh, if I'm gonna, if I fucking die on this, I'm never forgiving any of you. <laughs> we get up in the air. That was, uh, what was it like? It was, yeah, it was, it was scary. It, it was, it was a bit scary going up into the air. I'd saved a bunch of episodes of Parkinson Wreck on my phone. I watched a few episodes of that. The flight attendants, they didn't have any vegan breakfast options, but they found some melon for me. I mean, I wasn't fussed. The thing, right, the thing about being a vegan is, well, actually I learned this being a vegetarian because I've been vegetarian since the age of 13 or so. And back then you didn't really have that many options when you went out to restaurants, not nearly as many 
as you get now so you always i was always just grateful for like the bloody i don't know pomodoro spaghetti option at a restaurant or a spinach and ricotta cannelloni thing i think pizza express used to do that i used to really like that I was always just happy for like the the basic stuff and then that definitely bled over into when I went vegan. When I first went vegan I basically lived off of chips and baked beans for a year and then it started to become way more mainstream now you've got loads and loads of options but my point is is I do not get precious about if the flight lasted an hour they were like, oh, we're really sorry that we don't have any options. And I was like, oh, well, you've got bread and jam. I'll just have the bread and jam, please. Like the bread rolls. Cause I love bread rolls and I love jam. And I was really happy. I was happy over bread and jam. I'm a simple girl with simple pleasures. But the flight attendant, he felt bad for me that I only had some bread and jam. So he found like some melons for me. And that was really uh, sweet. I've actually got a picture. If you're watching this, maybe I'll insert the picture here of me looking quite pleased with my pot of melon because they were being nice to me maybe they sensed that I was um quite disturbed by being on a plane like a like a bloody wild animal that's been corded like a puppy at a pound so we're flying through the air I'm actually starting to enjoy myself joking around with my partner watching book parts and reg and before I know it we have to land wow that was really quick okay we land it's not as bad as I thought I really thought the plane was going to bump around it was over in smooth sailing. I felt good. I felt good about myself that I'd done it. I felt so much better about things. Ha, how wrong I was. I had a nice time in France. I, vid I visited the city of Lyon. I've still got some TikToks that I've made about my visit that I need to um, upload and edit properly. I will do that in due course, probably. Probably not, who knows. However, near the end of our much needed vacation we decided that we would drive to switzerland to see the alps we got we, we didn't even get to geneva because we got into a car crash a minor car crash it wasn't anyone's fault shit happens that was that was weird though because i ha right so i have a lot of anxieties about i don't have social anxieties i prefer to not talk to people it's funny there's such a cultural difference between my boyfriend and i right because he is an international dude went to an international school that's the only way that i can describe it you know whereas i am proper british proper british i'm really like not that i ham it up a little bit but i do have some very english sensibilities for example if i go into a shop and the shop assistant is like hi can i help you I will always say, no, I'm fine, thanks. Even if I desperately need help because I'm not gonna, it's their job, right, to be bothered by me. But also I don't wanna bother anyone. I don't wanna have to talk. I, like, I don't wanna have to talk to people if I can help it, right? I don't enjoy having to talk to loads of people. As I'm saying it, I'm sure it's not true. I always feel irritated by almost everything all of the time, but if you get me talking to someone, I will just go blah, 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 blah. Like it turns into, the, it literally turns into the easy, easy show. Um, it really depends on my mood. Like I'm not a morning person. Please don't talk to me in the mornings. Sometimes I am too chatty, but like, I don't know. If I'm in a social scenario, like a party or a pub, I will chat to anyone. I'll chat people's ears off. 
But then like, you've got my mum, right? And my God, my mum, if you go to the shops with her, she'll be chatting to like, she'll be making friends with everyone. It's a bit, it, it's too much. She'll laugh because she'll, she'll watch this. She'll know exactly which time recently that I'm talking about. Like I would rather, if I'm going to the shops, I'd rather just fail by myself than ask someone for a hand. That's how I'd like to do it. Whereas he would, my boyfriend would definitely, <laughs> once we went into, what was it? The jean shop, Levi's. And someone was like, hi, can I help you? And he was like, yes, actually. And I was mortified. I was like, what? That's not, what? what? That's not what you do when you're in England. You don't say to someone, yes, actually, I would like your help you bite your lip and go, no thanks. And then stare at stuff for 20 minutes, then walk out empty handed. That is the proper British way. <laughs> I actually have no idea how I got onto this from, I was in a car crash. I have no social anxieties. I'll talk to someone if I have to. And then if you get me talking, I just, I love talking. That's why I'm doing this solo one. Cause I think I'm quite good at it. I think I am good at talking. It is my unique selling point. I didn't realize that actually being good at talking was a USP until I got reminded recently. I was, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But I realized recently, ah, my talent and skill set is that I can talk and I have some things that might be interesting to hear or say because I was watching some people online who had nothing interesting to say at all. That no one's, I don't want to be rude or nothing. But I feel like if you're trying to start out on doing YouTube and, and stuff like that, maybe, maybe it is important to be able to have things to say in an entertaining way. You know, cause if you're starting out and you just do a, oh, look, this is why I ate today. Why should anyone really care? Personality is my point. I think I've got a bit of a personality. But I have a lot of health related anxieties and constant worries that the world is out to kill me. I don't know where it comes from. I don't re I will do it. I will go on the tube, but I don't really like it. You know, when the tube stops in the middle of the tunnel, and it does that thing. And sometimes if you're in like zone four or five, the lights flicker on and off, like it's a horror film. Ah, uh, I don't like that. And do you know what? I will see things in the news that will just reaffirm the things that I don't like. For example, being on the tube and it's stopping in a tunnel, I usually think any nutter with a machete can just start hacking away at people right now and we're in the middle of a tunnel. We're at least a minute away from Covent Garden. What are we gonna do? And then invariably it doesn't happen. But some bloke recently got charged because last year, I don't know, maybe on the Jubilee line, he literally got a machete and started like trying to hack at random people. Unprovoked, completely unprovoked. He did not know who he was hacking at. He just decided to go a bit mental that day and he's recently been charged for it. I see stuff like that in the news. And I'm like, ha, see, it's a death trap being stuck in the tunnel in the tube. You know, I worry about being in car accidents. To be fair, I've had, um, I've known people to die from it, including close friends, to be fair. But when we were in this car accident, it's strange because it happens so quickly. It was probably over in about less than 10 seconds. And when it was about to happen, my brain was like, is this really about to happen? Ugh, really? And I kind of felt myself like trying to push against the dashboard as if that was going to stop what was about to happen. But it happened, it was, it could have been a lot worse. Could have been a lot worse. 
it was yeah it was scary in that 10 seconds and then like the minute or so after as we quickly got to the side of the motorway and then when we started calling people you know for help obviously i couldn't do anything because i don't speak french when that happened at that point i went from okay i'm over it being scary to wait did that really just happen and then annoyance that i was on the side of the road there's loads of it was you know because it was the french countryside there was so many insects i saw so many insects over the course of those two weeks i saw some weird insects that i've never seen before but i then just started feeling irritated instead because i thought if we you know because we're by this motorway and my brain's going a truck could easily i mean we were behind like some concrete barrier thing on the side of this motorway but my brain was like what if a truck crashes into that and then it like rolls and rolls you over or something ridiculous like that so i was getting a bit just irritated that it was happening and that's kind of as far as it went really but everything got sorted out really quickly we got picked up really quickly by the repair people and taken to this garage and then we were sent back home via a taxi by the insurance the car insurance company so i didn't get to see even geneva i could see the outlines of the alps I was actually doing a TikTok about our road trip. I don't know, maybe I should finish it with a picture of the front of the car. It wasn't like, being honest, it wasn't the worst thing in the world. And it could have been a million times worse. I did get whiplash from it. Mild though, because it went away by itself in a few days. And I was a bit apprehensive about being in a car, but then the next day I was in a car again and I just kind of got over it. It, it was weird because it was like, I, you know, I worry about these things. But then when it happened, it's still something to worry about, but it was, I, I, I don't know. Ultimately it was fine. Now it's just kind of like one of those things where I think, oh, that's a thing that happened to me. I got in a car accident. That was strange. The whiplash was a bit annoying for a few days. The day after, cause I was hanging out in the sun all day, getting myself a little tan, I got, <laughs> this is pathetic this is honestly pathetic it was 32 degrees maybe 34 at most whilst we were there and i got mild sunstroke from 34 degrees because look i'm english we're not i'm not used to the sun actually being there day in day out we get heat waves of 35, 36 degrees sometimes, usually for like three days out of the year. But when we have these heat waves, it's always really cloudy from my memory anyway, or I'm inside at sh like, or I'm inside working or whatnot. So it's not, it's stifling and it feels like you can't breathe a bit, but it's definitely, I'm not gonna be able to get sunstroke from that because I'm not out in the sun usually in England. But I got mild sunstroke and I didn't know what was happening to me. I was trying to sleep. And I've been doing this fun thing where, when I sleep recently, where sometimes I'll feel like I'll, tr I'll be trying to doze off and then my brain will just go, you've stopped breathing. And then I'll gasp and like sit up very dramatically and be like, I can't breathe. And then I'll breathe and it'll be fine. And no, there's nothing medically wrong with me. This is entirely like a stress anxiety thing. I got it like a few Christmases ago and it sucked pretty hard, but I've been getting it again recently i don't really know what triggers it once in a while i buy a vape and then i vape and then after two weeks i stop vaping because i worry that like i'm damaging myself and then i don't vape for another few months but i don't think it's related to that at all because i have not vaped in at least way over a month right it's just a fun and fresh thing that happens sometimes when i'm really stressed out and the thing is is when i'm in bed trying to not think about things like 
dying, death, eternity or whatever, trying to think of other things. If I'm worrying about, oh, what if I do that breathing thing again? It's gonna happen because I'm worrying about it and the thought is in my head, consciously or subconsciously. And when it happens, sometimes it will happen once or twice and then I'll just drift off. Sometimes there have been a few times where it has gone on for hours and you know, I'll almost be asleep and then it will just keep happening. And then when it happens, you get this feeling of, this is how I know it's like, I know it's anxiety, it's fine. I've talked about this with people, but feelings of dread, impending doom, heart rate going crazy. Uh, it's so stressful. And when that happens, I will literally just stay up until my eyes can't take it anymore. And then I fall, fall asleep. But anyway, this happened, the not the night of, but the night after the day that I'd been out in the sun all day. When I'd been out in the sun all day. That night I try and go to sleep, then it happens. But then, you know, so I get up, but I feel really weak and shaky and my body feels hot and weird. And my face felt as though the only things in my face were the front of my teeth and the tip of my tongue. And that is something that I used to get, feel when I used to smoke weed, right? And it would freak me out a little bit, but you're also high, so who cares? This, I was sober and I'm like, what the hell is happening? And my heart is going crazy. And I, my body starts panicking. I start panicking a little bit like, oh shit. Um, and my first thought is always, I'm having a heart attack. It's finally happened. The rage has caught up to me. I've become so mad that my heart is just gonna, is just saying, fuck you. Like we're done. So I'm freaking out and my boyfriend's trying to calm me down. His, like, <laughs> he's gonna listen to this and be like, for God's sake. His response to lots of things, it's always, why don't you go rinse off and have like a little cool shower to cool down and calm down. And he says that about a lot of things. So he said it this time and I'm like shaking. I'm like, I can't, I, like, I can't, like, when I get super panicky, my, I'll have to sit down, but then my body will be like, I have to move, I have to move as if I can like walk out of the panicked state. And I'm like walking through this house, like tearing at my shirt, being like, I can't fucking breathe. Like I need to take this shirt off, I need to get outside. I can't like, I wouldn't have been able to stand up in that shower, I'd have like collapsed or something. Um, not through anything actually being genuinely wrong, just through the amount of panic in my body at, oh God, this is it, I've got a heart. And in my head, I'm thinking of contingency plans. I'm thinking, God, we might have to, if we have to call an ambulance, oh no, that's gonna be really annoying. What if the ambulance takes ages to arrive? I'm not gonna be able to speak any French to these people. My boyfriend's gonna have to translate everything. I'm gonna look, that, well first, uneducated because I don't know how to speak fluent French in the South of France, but also that's just gonna be really annoying and I don't wanna go to a hospital anyway. And he made me sit outside and you know watch like the sun come up because it was four, four or 5 a.m. It was really, really late. And I calmed down and I like, you know, washed my face with cool water and I felt, I felt better. But that, having that really stressed me out. And it was just a lot of stress for my body to be going through over the course of two days. Like, you know, the crash, the stress of that, the whiplash, the stress of that, this sunstroke thing and this full on panic attack. It felt like the kind of panic attacks I would get if I'd done like a bit too many drugs, you know, when you just feel a bit out of control. And then a day or two after, I forget when, we had to come home via plane. And I thought, well, I've done it once, it'll be okay. Yeah, no, that's not what happened. This time we're seated economy. So it's my boyfriend, me, and you know, a stranger next to me. 
I'm not precious. I'm not a movie star. Ha, I'm humble. I'm just like you. I'm joking. Um, we're in economy. And the layout is definitely different because, you know, business class, there's a lot of room. And I think a lot of room helped because I think a lot of my worry about what if this happens if I'm in this situation comes from being around a lot of people. That's what I forgot to mention. Before I went to France, before I saw my Grammar, so I had a really jam-packed week. It was like I had everything booked that week. I went to see Russell Brand in Bath doing a show, not seeing him personally, or going to the chippy for some chips and a ketchup, a chinwag, my mate Russell. No, I went to go watch Russell Brand and have like a day or two staycation with me mum in Bath. And that was lovely and stuff. But when we were sitting in the amphitheater or just the theater, I don't know. When we were sitting in there, waiting for things to start and all the people were coming in. There was, I think he said like 1400 seats. At least, yeah, at least a thousand people in this auditorium, I don't know, this theater, this stage place. And I realized I can't really deal with being in places where there's lots of people around me anymore. And I'm not sure where that come from maybe has it come from the pandemic and having lockdowns and reducing the amount of people that you see or are around but when I'm in these situations like I noticed at the Russell Brand gig there was so much noise so much background noise from people chatting and having a laugh how fucking dare they going out and having a laugh they shouldn't be laughing it should be me that was laughing but I wasn't it kind of turned into almost like distorted white noise in me eardrums and Mm. I kept, this is going to sound awful, this is going to sound stupid. I kept sort of like hearing things a little bit because there was so much noise that my brain was just kind of creating sounds, I think. Like I heard, I I always feel on high alert when I'm in those situations because I think, well, what if something does happen and a murderer or like someone with a nail bomb, or I think like ridiculous. It's not so ridiculous because these things do happen, right? These things happen. What if someone's decided that Russell Brand's been speaking too much truth about the Illuminati and those types of things and they come and they try and assassinate him, but they accidentally shoot me and said, you know, thinking like these very normal thoughts. And through all the noise, I kept feeling like I was hearing, oh, someone's about to scream. And if someone screams, it's going to start a stampede. And then if there's a stampede, what am I going to do? All these seats are really cramped. I'm either going to have to hide in these seats or I'm going to have to like jump and vault all over these seats. But what am I going to do about my mum? My mum can't vault. I don't think she's ever vaulted in her life. What am I going to do? My brain was just on high alert and it was really hard for me to just relax and enjoy things. It took so much time for me to just like warm down. And I don't really know where this feeling comes from because I've been in lots of crowds before and been fine found it exciting even 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 like Michael Crimans it was a bit it was the huge uh stadium in Milton Keynes and there must have been like 20,000 people there and towards the end when everyone was leaving it looked like the the crowds that were leaving me and my mate just sat in our seats and waited for everyone to go reminded me of you know the film Ants Right, and at the end where they build that ant tower to escape. And you know how they're like, like, they're in the ant tower and they're all kind of like, they all look kind of like one cohesive blob because there's so many of them. It looked like that, the crowds leaving the stadium. 
And I kept thinking then, am I hearing screams? If I, oh no, if I'm hearing screams. And if I saw like 10 security guards run to somewhere, I would think, oh God, something's happened. Someone's got, some lunatic got a machete, what's going on? It was hard for me to like relax and drop, but I did, I bloody loved it. So on this flight, back in economy it was a bit more cramped because there was a bunch of people and that wasn't too that set me off a little bit because i was like oh god there's so many people like what if one of these people was somehow i don't know why it's machetes i don't there is a lot of like machetes and machete related crimes in london i don't know what's going on we take off and on the takeoff we experience turbulence and there was a particularly big bit of turbulence and I was not happy about that. I actually got scared and I didn't get angry to begin with. I just got straight up scared because I was like, Jesus Christ, this is it. This is it. It's like all the dreams that I've had, those hundreds of dreams over the years. This is, we're, shit, we're going down. Like I turned to the girl next to me and she like could see that, <laughs> I think she was, she was definitely European. I don't know, uh, from where but you know if she had a european accent shall we say oh as if it's one amorphous blob it's freaking not my point is she saw that i was freaked out and she was like oh it's okay i know it's scary like a random stranger had said it to me because i was just like fucking that, i wasn't i wasn't swearing i was too packed to swear i was like oh my god and then for the rest of like the 50 minutes i hid my head like i put my hat over my head and i hid my line of vision from anything else and just stared at my phone and tried to watch Parks and Rec and it didn't bloody work. And once we got off that flight, I've had all of this explained to me, the how planes work and why it feels like turbulence, uh, why turbulence happens and why it feels the way it does. And, you know, if an engine failed, then you could simply glide the plane back down. I've had all explained to me, I know that, still doesn't help. It's like when people say, oh, well, statistically it's safer than driving a car. Well, statistics don't help me. Actually, a statistic I did find out about this before I left, because I did a little bit of, what's it called? Not immersion therapy. I don't know, I did a little bit of something therapy to myself before we left where I looked up some facts and statistics and one of the statistics was that in the past I think 40 years 95% of all plane crashes have had zero casualties zero because I thought oh my god if a plane some if a screw falls out of a plane that's it it's exploded no that's not that's not the case it's actually it is really 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 safe but it did not help in that moment of this horrible turbulence. And then because these flights, because the planes were smaller to go to France, you could really feel when it was moving around in the air. And the whole time I was so stressed out that it's just like, I got off that and I was like, I'm not, I'm fucking not going on a plane again. I'm not going on a plane, I'm not doing it. How are we gonna go to Japan then when we visit Japan? Ha, well. I looked into this. I genuinely looked into a way to get to Japan without having to fly. And here it is. So you go from London to Paris, Eurostar. You go from Paris to Moscow. You go on the, I think it's called the Trans-Siberia Express, Moscow to China. You go from China to another part of China where you can access South Korea. And then you go from South Korea by ferry to Japan. And it takes at least a week of non-stop traveling and everyone listening, I will do that. Then get on a 
15 hour flight to Japan. I will do that. And you know what I'll also do? I'll make it into content. Going to Japan without da 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 And then I'll be able to put that on my business account. And then it will be written off as a tax expense. So then it will basically be like free monopoly money, free travel to Japan. That's the way I see that my business, which is bad. Like that's a bad way to think. It's not free money. It's still my money. But that is what I'll do. And I'll make it into content. I am not getting on a plane ever again because we had some bumpy turbulence no but the amount that it did stress me out it's just not worth it for me i don't want to age any sooner than i already am i don't want to get wrinkles i don't want to get gray hairs if i have to fly i will come out with the whole head of silver hair i reckon i could pull it off to me so i reckon i could pull off silver hair wouldn't be a big deal but still so that's what i've been up to for the past few weeks serves me right for ever leaving this miserable little island country. Serves me right for trying to get over my fears and do something a little bit different. Do you know what? I was going to go into my ADHD diagnosis. Can you tell that I've got ADHD? Everything makes so much more sense now, doesn't it? Huh? But I think this is long enough for a solo one. I'll do another solo one and I'll talk about my ADHD. That'll probably be the next episode. So if you've listened this far, Thank you so much for listening. Let me know on youtube.com what you think of me doing a few solo episodes, you know, just because. Remember to follow the show on Spotify and iTunes and I guess I'll see you guys all next time. Thanks for listening. Bye. (laughs) 